0: Hey, thanks for being here. Uh today we're going to pick up where we left off in 1 Corinthians. I'm actually on chapter 3 and I'm planning on getting through chapter 3 today. That's the plan. So, we'll see how it goes, but 3 re- 3 weeks ago we started uh not actually into 1 Corinthians, but talking about the uh factionism that was going on in the church. In Corinth. They were, Paul literally spoke about the division of the leadership. Some wanted to follow Paul, some wanted to follow Apollo, some wanted to follow Peter and so forth. And so there was a division in the church there. Then last week we talked about the division and the faction of earthly wisdom, worldly wisdom versus spiritual wisdom. One, that uh, there are people in this world that are very wise about things, but then there's those that have the Spirit of God inside of them, and God gives them the gift of wisdom, and that's the spiritual wisdom. So today, he again talks about the division Uh, And here's the interesting thing about all that, is they all have to do with the Spirit. Whether or not you have this Spirit living inside of you. So I'll pick up on chapter 3, verse 1. It says, For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. As babies in Christ, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready, because you are still worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? There was a key word there, behaving. For whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not acting like mere humans? You see, Paul doesn't call them out on their nature. He calls them out on their behavior. Not who they are, but what they're doing. In churches, they'll take these four passages, four verses right here, And they'll say there's carnal Christians and then there's spiritual Christians because the church likes to focus on the behavior. And this is what Paul has done right here. Oh, they're saved, but they just don't care anything about their faith and it's not important to them. So they're going to act as the world acts. But we know right here when he says brothers and sisters... As babies in Christ, he's literally talking about the church. The church, the people who are believers, and they're split over spiritual things. Not necessarily worldly things, but spiritual things. That's like you in here trying to decide, oh... I like Keith when he taught two weeks ago better than I like Rusty, or I like Rusty and I like Luke, and I like... You can just go through the whole list. Well, he's saying, you're not getting this. You're not getting this, and I don't want to have anything to do with your choices, worldly choices that you're making. So he makes reference to food, milk, those who are interested in participating based upon their own desires and what they will receive. I'll just be honest with you. (laughs) We've talked about this before, and this is really focusing on behavior somewhat, but literally you could line up the milk to meet people in this room. That would be a a judgment that you would have to do yourself, but it's also kind of apparent in your works and what people see and what people convey. I mean, you... I think about all the people that I grew up with at First Baptist Tulsa or at Northside Baptist Church, and, you know, I've got Carla Shadio and Olivia Olivette Dickerson, for those of you that are at Northside, on this pedestal because... They displayed these spiritual disciplines. And you could do the same. My mom's up there. These spiritual disciplines, you can put them up there like they're the meat people. And then you've got those that just come here on Sunday and participate. That's about all that's important to them is saying they came on Sunday, maybe hear something. That's the milk. We can sit here and pass judgment all day long. There's no question about it. And this is literally what he's talking about. When we would go to camp, we'd take the kids to camp. Uh, We would give them sealed orders, sealed discoveries now, we call them. But they get these envelopes, and we used to put like a meat side on one side and a milk side on the other. And like if the kids were like new in their faith or didn't even have a relationship with Jesus, we'd encourage them to read the milk side. It was pretty simple. Hey, you need Jesus. Jesus is the foundation. And then if it was meat, we would talk about, more in-depth spiritual stuff and this is really what paul's saying here to them is like you guys are stuck on the milk (laughs) the church at corinth there's no reason for me to give you meat you can't even get off the milk which is what a baby eats you're spiritually immature is what he's saying and if he's talking to the church the believers in Jesus, what he's literally saying is, you can have salvation, you can know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can have your eternity with him locked up forever, that's a for sure thing, but you might still be walking according to your flesh. I don't know if you know what that means, but when he says the, world, the word worldly, in the Greek, that is the word sarx, which means flesh. And we're not talking about your physical body. We're talking about this entity of you that deals with selfishness. You want what you want when you want it. That's what he's talking about in a worldly way. And believers, even in this room, can walk in seasons or at times or moments according to their flesh. I do. I do. Occasionally, I walk according to my flesh. And thank goodness, it's temporary. It's something that I do on occasion, but it's not who I am, and it is unnatural to me. And as a pastor, I'll say this. I I get kind of touchy right here. Uh, I, Rusty, I'm not the magical link here to a person eating meat. Nor was Paul. I'm not responsible for you eating meat. I I literally am up here as a teacher. Uh, But I can see one's participation in ministry, not just Sundays, as it directly correlates to their spiritual walk. I watch it all the time. I hang out with you guys all week long, not just on Sundays. Be sensitive here. But when you stop showing up on Sundays, just Sundays here, it's an indicator that something is changing in your life. Oh, look, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just telling you from experience, from what I know and from what I've seen some of you may find a, a better pastor, better teacher, and I'm, I'm totally okay with it. I can't judge you for you not being here. But many times I'll see your presence not here and it's a good indication that something is going on in your life and decisions are being made based upon that walk. I call that a red flag. Some of you laugh at me because you know that I take attendance. Like I literally go home and as I sit here and go through the roster, I'll mark who's here and who's not here. And I know who hasn't been here for like a month or two. It obviously during COVID, that's a little bit different. It's like that, that messes everything up because you don't know if they're Absent because of health or fears or or what, but literally I check to see who's here and not here, and I have a tendency probably to check on them, make sure that they're doing good. Uh, it's directly related to how the Spirit is working in you, whether you' you choose to listen or not. If you if you're gone and you're not hanging around these people on a regular basis, I'm not talking just Sunday morning, but just connected, you begin to start listening to worldly agendas, and then the worldly agendas begin to affect your decisions. Ah, uh, your walk is evident to everybody because they're all watching you. They're connected to you in person or through social networking or whatever. And sometimes you can walk according to the flesh for a season. And I tell you right now, it's going to cause you to have a series of consequences. If you walk away from what you're learning and being in this community or being in any community and you let worldly agendas begin to affect you, it will cause a series of consequences to occur in your life that probably won't be pleasant. This is I'm not advocating you need to be here on Sunday mornings. That's not what this is about. I'm just saying that's an indicator. I can see it. What he's saying right here is, you need to be in the meat. You need to get from the milk to the meat and not be distracted. If you get distracted, you follow the worldly agendas and consequences come, you're probably going to end up calling a friend. That's when I get the calls or someone else in the room gets a call. Someone else. And uh, we'll probably encourage you. I think Luke said it two weeks ago when I wasn't here. But he pretty much said, I'm going to give you one answer. Anytime that you come ask me for my opinion is like, you need to follow the spirit, walk by the spirit. That's going to be my answer every time. And so I'll encourage you and you have the choice whether you're going to listen to my advice, my opinion or whatever, or go seek somebody else or follow your own opinion. That's the way it always works. And this is all Paul is trying to clarify with the church here at Corinth is like, you guys are are spiritually immature. I can't even like get to the milk part or the meat part of it with you because you're still drinking milk. Come on. Then he says in verse five, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? He says that about himself. What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed and each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, this is Paul, Apollos watered, but God, he's the one that gave growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are God's co-workers. He's literally saying right here, okay, Paul and Apollos have these roles. That is what their calling is. That they're teachers, that they're mentors, that they're pastors, they're shepherds. But they are not what matters. I am not what matters. Our leadership out here is not what matters. It is God who that grows believers. I'm not responsible for growing you, thank God. I am not responsible for your spiritual maturity. You, as a group of people, are not a direct reflection on my teaching. Thank goodness. You make your own decision. Parents, you get caught up in this too because your kids make decisions and you go, oh, they're... Decisions are a direct reflection on my parenting. Uh, You may have influenced them, but look, they're making their own decisions, and it's the same way with the church right here. I believe it's not my responsibility to grow you. It's the spirit inside of you's responsibility to grow you. The pressure is off of me. Uh. And, and neither am i competing with teachers i don't compete with matt i don't compete with luke i don't compete with i don't compete with phil i don't compete with anything. we're all on the same page here that's the beautiful thing about it and that's what paul is saying about paul we're we're on the same page we're teaching jesus does it really matter which one you follow or which one you determine you know uh this group right here which we call levner it is our local church, and it is a field that ought to produce fruit. I didn't say should. I didn't say should. I'm not putting responsibility on you to go bear fruit. But honestly, if you know him, you get to know him, and you know your identity in Jesus Christ, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that lives in you, He's going to lead you to do adventurous things, and He's going to cause you to walk by the Spirit, and He's going to cause you to speak about Jesus boldly and profoundly, and He's going to do incredible things for, through you, and it ought to be producing fruit. Not that you have to, it just naturally happens. The task, the task of ministry is the, the sowing of seed. He's like Paul said, I planted the seed. The cultivating of the soil, that's what we do as we get to know him and the watering of the plants. And then comes the harvesting of the fruit. Look, I may be planting a seed today, And somebody in this room may have a conversation with somebody else in this room or even outside of this room this week that waters this message right here. And then someone else gets to reap the harvest. It's a team thing. It's a unity thing. And then you wash, rinse, and repeat. You just keep doing that over and over and over the unifying factor in ministry is that we are all a part of it. Not just me. When I literally started uh, to do Leavener back in 2007, people asked me what I'm going to do. I said, well, I'm going to uh, do disaster relief. I'm going to uh, deal with uh crisis intervention, and I'm going to teach the Bible. And they're like, well, that's good for you, but what are we going to do? And literally, the whole idea was, hey, teach people their identity in Christ, and they come alongside of you and do disaster relief and crisis intervention. Which is really what has happened over the years. As we taught, as a group of people, we taught, we teach we still teach identity in Christ. Know your identity, know your identity, and then It's amazing the ministry that God does through you, the people. Paul planted, Apollos watered, and others harvested. For the last 10 days, this community has ministered to my friend Derek. Um, Derek is a 25-year-old addict that has lived in my house for the last 10 days. My college roommate's son. And he came here, he was a mess. And there was no condemnation. And I took Derek everywhere I went. Derek, you're hanging out with me, you're going with me. Went to... HSC football game, and Ryan McCall hung out with him and talked to him and treated just like a normal person. He came here last Sunday and sat here. don't know if he heard a word I said, but Luke hugged him at the end, about popped his head off. And Derek talked about that hug all week long. It was important to him. Luke was important to him in a matter of 10 minutes. We stopped by, uh, Troy, we stopped by your office on Thursday. The guy was like just dead in the back seat, tired. But he walked into your office and met you, and all of a sudden he was energized because he met you and hung out with you for a few minutes. He hung out with... uh Big John and Keith Tim at uh, Panera Bread on Tuesday morning and they just involved him in conversation just like he was a normal dude he went to our Wednesday lunch club with all the men was sitting around eating lunch and he sat across from Tim and Tim it was kind of the, the the guys on Wednesday we go to lunch uh, as often as we can it's a pretty cool thing we just never know who's going to show up but Wednesday there was like 10 guys there and uh, Matt and I were having a conversation Dale Speckman and Brent Sutton were having it was like everybody broke into conversations but Tim had a conversation with Derek the whole time he invested in my friend and then uh, Wednesday night the high school students came over to my house and sat on the back deck and Derek is a very He retains knowledge very well. And I'm just like, Derek, we're uh, studying Proverbs. Who wrote Proverbs? And he told the kids all about Solomon just out of his knowledge. The high school kids. And had conversation as he helped teach on Wednesday night. It's crazy. But my wife... She didn't know what to expect when he came. But I just watched God work through my wife. Ten days. Love Derek. You see, this is what Paul was trying to convey to the people. We're one. Because we're with Jesus. And if we're one, we're just going to talk about Jesus all the time, and it's going to be the most important thing, and it's going to be conveyed. And Derek got in his car and, uh, with his dad and drove home yesterday. And before he uh, pulled away, he said, I love you twice. It wasn't just to me, it was to you all. You made an impression on his life. You impacted Derek. I don't, he could be high right now, I don't know. I trust the Lord, it's not my responsibility, it's not my, but uh, I say that, and I sit here and look, and I'm like going, he's not the only one in this group. I look at families out here just dealing with all sorts of crap. It's not just Derek. But I watch as you guys help the families in here. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. I'm here just to encourage you today. That I'm thankful that God has put us together. And that uh, you're a beautiful resource of the Almighty God. Um, You see, there's... There's this absolute diversity in ministry, yet it's unified in the purpose. And at the same time, uh, one of the beautiful things that Paul teaches, and I see it in this group, is there's a state of humbleness. There's a, no, Nobody wants to take credit for this. Nobody. I, it's, it, again, it's going to be God that does it. It's going to be God that changes lives, not us. We're just tools and uh no one gets credit for what happens in Derek's life or your kids' lives or spouses' lives. That's God alone that does that. And he says this you are God's field. There's total transition right here. He he says God's building. He goes from planting to building God's building according to God's grace that was given to me. I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. I, I think I said this about three weeks ago when he was talking about who baptized who. And he literally said, I don't care about baptism. I care about Jesus. Baptism is the result of understanding who Jesus is and you coming to a point of salvation. I don't care who baptizes who. If you're going to argue about it, get me out of it. The only thing that matters right here is Jesus. Everything that we do right here is built on Jesus. I have one agenda, one agenda, one agenda. It's Jesus. That's it. Yeah. We do things in the back, you know, with the kids, but what are they what are they talking about? They're talking about Jesus back there. We hang out on Wednesday nights, we talk about Jesus, we talk about God, small groups fact that uh, oh yeah Ed Gallagher and Danny hung out with Derek this week too playing top golf the fact that uh, Ed Gallagher says hey because of COVID I didn't get through the Roman study but as soon as I get through this Roman study with Ryan McCall I want to go through Hebrews the fact that Jesus is the foundation that's all that matters he says, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious. That's kind of like what I was talking about here earlier. It's it's obvious who's building on gold and silver and precious gems versus hay and straw. It says, uh, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. This is talking about a judgment day. He literally names it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as the judgment seat of Christ. If you're going to face any judgment, that will be the judgment that you face. Not the great white throne judgment where he separates the sheep from the goats. That's not you. But the judgment seat of Christ, that is going to be amazing. Literally, he says, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. Everything that you've done, all your works as a believer in Jesus Christ will be put through the fire. Anything that was made with hay or straw will be burned up. Anything that was made with gold or precious silver or stones, it will survive the fire. It will get through the fire. So what's the difference? What's the difference between the two? He says, verse 14, if anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. You see, that judgment seat doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. You're already saved, but what it is about, judgment on is what you've done in your works there's two types of works there's the precious stones and gold and silver and that is everything that you've done in the spirit remember you have two choices about everything right you do everything either in the spirit or you do everything in your flesh you either do it in the spirit or you do it according to the flesh You do it according to what God desires and what He calls you to do. And it's the obedience that you hear Him and that you do it. Or you do it out of your flesh, which is selfish and all about you. One burns up, one doesn't. All the works that you do in the flesh at the judgment seat will be gone and worth nothing. All the works you do in the Spirit, you will be rewarded for. That's what it says right here. That's not my. That's just what it says. It's the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 16, it says, Don't you yourselves, talking about the church as a whole, don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and the Spirit of God lives in you? Ha! ask that every week. Do you not know? The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you? He's saying the same thing. Do you not know that He lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. You are God's temple, and you are holy. You see, the world depends on promotion and prestige and the influence of money and important people. That's what the world depends upon. But the church... It has to depend on uh prayer the power of the spirit it has to depend on humility depends on sacrifice and service it's totally opposite of what the world depends upon but sometimes the church imitates the world are you with me the church that imitates the world uh it's probably going to succeed for a period of time, but it's going to turn to ashes in eternity. I, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying this is what the scripture says. Like the church in the book of Acts, it had none of the secrets of success that seem to be important today. They owned no property. They had no influence in the government. They had no treasury, no silver or gold, have I? Their leaders were ordinary men without special education, and the accepted schools. They held no attendance promotions. They brought in no celebrities. And yet, they absolutely turned the world upside down. The church in Acts turned the world upside down. We have to move from the mindset that the institutional church is the foundation of Christianity. It's not. The quarantine was a magnifying glass for this litmus test. Literally, when we had to shut down on Sunday mornings, this is when the church should have excelled. Yet we moaned, and complained about not being able to meet on Sunday mornings. Because if that's all the church is, is a Sunday morning event, it sounds like we're under worldly standards. It's it's not about Sundays. It's not about Sundays at Pinheads or any other place. It's about us being a light in a dark, dark, dark world. That's what it's about. I could care less if you show up here on Sundays. I care about you being a light in a dark, dark, dark world. It's the difference between being selfish and being selfless the foundation of Jesus Christ who came to set an example. He's the one that came and is like, I'm here for you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to do all these things for you. He set the example and we build on that. Not our own abilities and desires. In the last few verses here, he says this. Let no one deceive himself If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool so he can become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, since it is written. And then Paul quotes this passage from Job, actually Job 5.13. He says, he catches the wise in their craftiness. This is one of, if you go back and look at Job chapter 5, this is one of Job's friends who was not speaking truth to Job at the time. He says, he catches the wise in their craftiness. That's the whole worldly wisdom versus spiritual wisdom. How are you going to know the difference between worldly wisdom and spiritual wisdom if you don't know the Father? You have to know him. He says, and again, the Lord knows that the reasonings of the wise are futile, futile, Psalm 94.11 is what he just quoted. So let no one boast in human leaders, for everything is yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, which is Peter, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. Everything is yours. And you belong to Christ. And Christ belongs to God. That goes back to the whole envelope thing. Remember when we do the envelopes it's like you got you and you're in Jesus and Jesus is in God. But the members of the Corinthian church right here they were glorying in men. And that was wrong. They they were comparing men in this next chapter especially and dividing the church because of their carnal knowledge and wisdom, had they been seeking to glorify God alone, there absolutely would have been harmony in the assembly right there in the church. If it's just about Jesus, if it's just about God, it's all good. You have to come, well listen church, you have to come to the realization that you have everything you need in Christ. Paul says again in Ephesians chapter 1, all spiritual needs have been met and you have them. You have absolutely everything you need. You belong to Christ. Not any other man, not any other human, but Jesus alone and everything is already yours. You're in Christ. Christ is in God. Lord, I pray that um, we we do this ministry called Leavener and that it doesn't have anything to do with us, but it has everything to do with you. May we be able to step aside so that people can see Jesus can... People can see how you work and do things through your your people. But they can truly see that it's you. I trust that you will somehow use us this week as you have just recently. And I thank you for my friends. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for taking care of us. We do pray for protection and health, that you will guide us and strengthen us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.